this is Jeff Coburn. We welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. Just one evening at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World can be full of so many amazing things to see and do. And yet there are moments, these moments when one wonders what is happening and why. We go through such an evening as this and cherish amazing opportunities like holiday lights on Main Street USA, the newly revised and gorgeous Mickey's Filler Magic, and Disney's Enchanted Fireworks. And with all of this, it is offset by some comments made about reducing food portions, unbelievable price hikes on the Christmas party, and a tram system that is still not operational. And then we have what seems to be a very misleading, perhaps deceitful occurrence on the Seven Dwarfs Mine Ride as it relates to Genie Plus Lightning Lanes. Join us as we share the magic and the realities, the bliss and the miss of an evening at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World. Make sure you check out our Disney at Play uh, com, uh, post that uh, aligns with this podcast. We have some uh, important videos, including a uh, completely revised fireworks for Enchanted. And so be sure to check that out. Subscribe while you are there because that gives you um, notification when we have upcoming uh, new podcasts that are coming out. Also, would recommend that you just check over at uh, J. Jeff Cobra on YouTube and subscribe there. For uh, we end up doing, we have done a ton of videos this week. The previous podcast was related to the Disney Cruise Line, and we did five or six videos attached to that. So you may want to check that as well as the podcast that relates to that. So much to cover, so many things to do. And by the way, I said in the previous podcast, I have a special announcement. I still do. I'm going to put it towards Thanksgiving and uh, and I wanted so that I can make sure I cover this before we get to the D23 event and whatever may happen there, if anything happens there. Um, I just wanted to cover a couple of things and then kind of get things ready to really share a, a very special announcement about our podcast and where we are going. So please, um, please, please, please uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast through your favorite uh, podcast subscriber. And um, if you have a chance, go over to iTunes and just say, hey, this is a, this is a great podcast. Let them know. It helps us to let others know. All right, so we, uh, my daughter and I, we head to the Magic Kingdom for an evening. It is really lovely weather, an uneventful ride on the monorail. We arrive at the Magic Kingdom and we enter the park to uncover this beautiful holiday decor, which comes out every Christmas season. I love, just love the decor on Main Street. And one of the things uh, I especially like that my daughter actually um, brought to my memory is that the, that the wreaths are garland along Main Street often includes uh, fruits like oranges and apples in them. It, it's, I, I think it's a great idea. I think it actually 
the same thing was being done at Disneyland, I believe. After all, they are both in Orange County, so to speak. So it makes sense. I just love it. It just seems so very um, um, back at home. The um, There were big trellises put on the side of Main Street. There used to be big um, wreaths that hung over the street as you walked down the street. Those were removed because of a certain dragon and a parade uh, that was rec- uh, that was created a couple of years ago. Would love to see that parade come back. Every time I see the trellises, I'm reminded of the dragon and the parade, which is the reason why they created those trellises. I do love the big wreaths on them and the candle on them. Again, I, I can't say enough about how really joyful it is coming into the Magic Kingdom and just feeling... Oh, and the music. Love the sounds of Christmas at the Magic Kingdom. Just a, just a terrific, terrific experience. From there, we head on over to uh, the Harbor House where we're just going to grab a quick bite for the evening. And uh, I uh, posted a picture on the podcast of, the, of Disney's photo of the lobster roll. And as I ate the lobster roll, I kind of was thinking, okay, have they changed portion sizes or not on this? Now, if you're not familiar with what's going on, last week they did a um, last week they did uh, a quarterly report, earnings report, and in the Q and A, they were really uh, asked some questions. In particular, the Disney chief financial officer, Christine McCarthy, was asked about. How are you controlling for inflation as it's going through? And basically her response was trying to say, hey, you know, we have fixed costs, we have flexible costs, we can change uh, pricing and so forth. And specifically, she said, there are lots of things that are worth talking about. We can adjust suppliers. We can substitute products. We can cut portion size, which is probably good for some people's waistlines. We can look at pricing where necessary. We aren't just going to go straight across and increase pricing. Um, In fact, additionally, she shared that Disney wanted to get the algorithm right to cut where they can and not necessarily do things the same way. Um, I thought that was a fairly balanced and measured comment. However... Her comment, her statement, we can cut portion size, which is probably good for some people's waistlines. I don't think, and mind you, this has blown up in Disney uh, social media. And in fact, it's actually gone to a couple other places outside of that, like the San Francisco gate. But by and large, it's a it's an internal kind of thing, or is she fat shaming people? She's a fairly slender woman and so forth. I'll be honest, I don't see anything like that in their comment. Um, And also the comment doesn't say we have, or we are cutting portion sizes so we can, you know, no, she doesn't say that. She just uses that as an example along with others like adjusting suppliers, substituting products and how they might re-look, you know, re adjust to the inflation that is going on. My guess is she is like 90% of the people in this world who really are always kind of thinking about their waistline. 
And I think it's a reflection of, even though she is slender, she's probably thinking things like most people are thinking about them. I don't think it's something to be exaggerated, but it, but it was a, it was kind of a missed comment. Honestly, looking at the entire call, um, I thought that, um, I thought it was very professional and very measured. There were some really good points that came out of the call. One was that with the Disney Cruise Line returning back into operation, their customer satisfaction results have been as strong as they were previous to COVID. They also talked about their per caps being in the parks being up a third from what they were two years ago in 19. That is amazing. Now, Genie and Genie Plus, which we're going to talk about in a minute, Genie Plus and Lightning Lanes, that is part of the per caps, but that wasn't covered in the last quarter. And yet, and yet um, their per caps are quite high, which suggests to me that, because honestly, I find that if people are anxious about the price of the park or or other things, that sometimes they'll, they'll well, not get the souvenir or cut back on, you know, maybe go to a counter service restaurant rather than go to a sit down meal. But their per caps are quite high and... Um, and so forth. So actually, I thought it was a very professional, very measured conference call by and large. However, one was left staring at their lobster roll and thinking, okay, they cut portions. By the way, they have cut portions in the past. They have done that for years, 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 years. What you think, and I, I get the same thing when you go to Starbucks, you get the same thing when you go to other people. You go, is this really the same size drink I, had, I used to order? You get that all the time. But Notwithstanding, it's just kind of thrown up a lot of dust in the situation uh, by her comment. We, after dinner, headed to Mickey's Filler Magic. Now, um, there are, most people have come to know that a segment from Coco with Donald in it has been added to the Filler Magic section. It's actually between I Can't Wait to Be King, Lion King segment, and the Peter Pan segment. Uh, that is a very cool segment. I've talked about it a little bit when I was at Disneyland. I love the fact that it's not, the song they sing is the one they sing. he sings on the stage in the movie. And he does sing on the stage in the movie and Donald is there, but he also sings in other parts of the town. And the whimsical world of the afterlife in Coco is just astonishing and you get to see it in this big expanded screen it's very cool and i just love coco it is probably part of it is probably part of this larger effort to find more inclusivity in the parks and so forth and so coco shows up in many places such as uh disney's enchanted fireworks and then also in harmonious and some other things but frankly coco deserves to show up it's a great great movie on its own merits um but what really fascinated me about mickey's filler magic is that they had digitized that uh screen it is a fresh and beautiful screen and let me tell you i have been to my share of mickey filler magic since what was it, 94? No, it wasn't 94. It was actually 2004. 
something like that. But anyway, I have been to my share of Mickey Filler Magics. I've been there, been there, been there. My uh, son, who is autistic, loves to sit on the first row, not center, all the way down to the very end of the bride. He wants to be the first person in and he wants to sit on the very end. And that's a terrible place to watch Mickey's Filler Magic. If you're not aware, when you watch a show, be in the last half of the room. Don't be in the front half of the room. You are not going that you're not going to see the images as well if you're in the front half of the room. And by the way, let everybody who's kind of standing there in front of the automagic doors, let them go first. Because I tell you, there's a cast member on the other side of those doors who's going to tell you, go all the way to the end, all the way to the end. Very seldom do they only say, go three quarters. They say, go all the way to the end. And you don't want to be at the end, so don't be the first at the doors. Wait till that crowd comes. Then go in, you end up more in towards center, and then the people who are kind of waiting outside in the aisle, in the queue, they end up filling the rest on the on the other side. I love the look and feel of this digitally. And while I am not completely certain, there was a part of me that felt like some of this was even re-rendered. Um, I, I, this seems, and this will tell you how much I've looked at the show. Uh, there's a scene where you see a lot of flatware in the Be Our Guest scene, and the flatware was not rendered very well, as I recall the earlier versions version of the show. This was quality flatware. <laughs> I know that seems so crazy saying that, but it was just one little example of details and things that have either been re-rendered or simply made more visual and easier to see that uh, easier to see because it is on a digital screen no hair you know no 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 dust and other kind of particles on the on the film print really a clean image from what I could tell it is it is very much a digital version of the show a little brighter in display as well so you know I just sat there through the show and said this is great they didn't have to do this and they did. And I love it. Um, there's even a slightly new banner to the front, which now reads the kingdom's most magical musical review, uh, Mickey's Filler Magic. And anyway, it was great. From there, we headed out of Mickey's Filler Magic and and uh, we we're thinking, oh, you know, let's go do um, maybe the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh. So we're kind of heading that direction. And uh, as we we're doing so, my attention caught uh, the rights uh, to to the left of me towards Seven Dwarfs Mine Ride, and I noticed nobody was in the queue of the of the uh, before you go in beyond the wall, kind of on the exterior on the path of Fantasyland. Nobody was in that queue, and then I kind of looked a little further. There was nobody in the queue at all. No one in the queue. I turned to my daughter and said, Matt, "Madison, let's go on." on Seven Dwarfs Mine Ride. She goes, no, I don't want to do that. It says it's a 50-minute ride, a 50-minute wait. I said, trust me, Madison, it's not a 50-minute wait. We got into the standby queue for Seven Dwarfs Mine Ride. And I'm telling you, it took, and every portion of that queue was being used because it had been used earlier in the day. It took us longer to wind through all the nuances of that queue than it did to actually stand in the portion that was a queue. We were on that ride in less than 10 
minutes. And yet that ride was stating a 50-minute wait. Now, I have always defended Disney about the fact that they overinflate their queue times because in the psychology, consciously or subconsciously, of guests, they tend to think, okay, I didn't stand as long as the line, uh, the queue uh, sign stated. And they think they get better value as a result of that. So Disney traditionally has hit it up 10, 15, 20% maybe. But this was over the top. And as I was going through this, I was reminded of another experience that I had had um, with Madison the previous week at Mickey's uh, or at uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway at um, at the studios. We were kind of looking at things to do and said it was a 50 minute wait. And this is all both of these situations are about an hour before park closing. Said it was a 50 minute wait at the old Mickey and Minnie's um, Runaway Railway. And yet, as I was passing by the Chinese theater, I noted, wait a minute, there's no one in the exterior queue. Now, mind you, there's an interior queue, and you could spend 10 or 15 minutes in that interior queue. And mind you, if there's a long wall of people who are in the lightning lane, you might even wait 20 25 minutes but there is no way if you are walking in the building and not standing in any portion of that exterior queue you are not you are not waiting 50 minutes or even even close to that to go on mickey and minnie's runaway railway now in that case my daughter said she didn't really want to do that and so we didn't do that but it caught my attention made me wonder and now here i am at seven dwarfs mine right we got off that ride. I'm telling you, there were more people in Lightning Lane. If they knew, and this is the problem, if they knew, and by the way, I could have gone after that, I could have gone back on that attraction and ridden that ride three times in a 30-minute period. Now, it's not, again, what my daughter wanted to do, and, I wanted, and we wanted to get toward the fireworks and get a good seat, which we'll talk about in a minute, but uh, there was a longer queue for lightning lane than there was for the standby partly because guests are looking at genie and say oh 15 minute wait uh man let's not bother part of it is because that was a halloween party night and a lot of those halloween party guests were thinking oh we will just get in line then when there's no line but let me tell you there's no line now there's a longer line during the halloween party probably 20 25 minutes than there is right now and so I'm not saying that's happening every night and every situation, but it is a big flag to me because there is no doubt that there is no 50 minute ride. When we got off, I will say they marked it down to 40 minutes at that point, but there was still no 40 minute line. And my feeling is this, I don't want to say that Disney is lying or being deceitful, I understand that Disney's got a dilemma. They're booking people way early in the day who are thinking, oh, I don't want to wait in line, probably because at the beginning of the day, there was a line and they said, well, why don't we just get a one of those lightning lane passes and we'll just pay the difference to go on it later in the day. So they probably came to this conclusion seeing a long line earlier or being familiar with the attraction enough to know that there are typically long lines. And 
And so they paid for that privilege. Well, if they knew when they got in the queue that that really you could almost get on the ride faster than going by going on the standby line, they probably they probably would have asked for their money back. And that's a dilemma because you can't go on the onto the app and ask for your money back. You could do it within a few minutes, but I don't believe you can go back at much later. If you do it right up front and then you change uh, your mind, you can cancel. I've done that, but I don't believe that you can wait the rest of the day and, and cancel in the hour that you're supposed to ride. By the time you are supposed to ride that, you are not allowed to cancel. If you want to cancel, you're going to have to go to guest services and have them do it. And the la and let me tell you, if you want a long line, I would pay the genie. I would pay the Lightning Lane Select Pass price just to avoid going to the guest services queue uh, because that's a slow line, despite the fact that they're all working hard. But they're big issues, and it takes a long time to work through all those guests. Where am I going with this? I can't take a couple of individual instances and say this is deceitful, but I can say that Disney's going to have to come to reconciliation with the fact that you are saying uh, this is this is worth it when it's not, and you have to deal with the fact that what happens when your guests come back at a certain time and there is no queue. It just begs to say, begs to answer that. By the way, I we later went uh, over to Goofy's Barnstormer, and I was noticing it was a five-minute standby wait there. Um, and, of course, they have a lightning lane, too. I just wonder why you can't create some lightning lane situations, especially things like, like I, um, Mickey's Filler Magic or, you know, shows where they've got lightning lane options. I, I don't know why you don't just say automatic lightning lane. You don't have to go wait two hours or you ha don't have to go make a reservation. Just walk on for some of those lightning lanes. Wouldn't it be great if your lap, lap, if your genie came on and said, hey, you know what? We don't have a long wait, standby or otherwise. Go on and walk on to, you know, this through the lightning lane. I think that would be an interesting feature as well for Genie Plus that would provide value for it. Anyway, more to come, I, I assume, on all of that. So then we head to, um, after all of that is over, uh, we had to get into a good queue, a good, a good place for the fireworks, which was just right up the castle. Um, and I think I've gotten a really good angle on that combined with other uh, fireworks uh, shows we've seen and taped I've created into a composite video so definitely go to Disney at play and check it out when you spend a lot of time kind of uh, cutting and pasting uh, three four different videos on top of each other you get to know an, a, a firework show or anything for that matter pretty intimately there is a lot to like about this fireworks show. I think it is leaps ahead of wishes. I don't hold that it is leaps ahead of Happily Ever After. I think it looks rushed compared to Happily Ever After. There are some things that just don't 
They're just little things in terms of segments and segues. One of the challenges that these castle projection shows have is, is that while if you stand in front of the castle and or where we were standing, which was a good view, you can make out most of the characters. But you stand back on toward Main Street and it's just kind of colorful mush. It's very hard to tell a character out. In one of the challenges that Happily Ever After had is they would take an entire scene, and I'm thinking like Bells of Notre Dame are out there with Quasimodo and have Quasimodo climb the castle like he was um, uh, climbing the uh, Cathedral de, de Notre, Notre Dame. Uh, I thought that was really cool, but yeah, my, but it rendered him smaller, uh, more human size, and really you need to project it larger. So, and some of the images in Happily Ever After were so elaborate, they almost became a little on the cluttered side. Conversely, what I see happening in this show is some items are silhouetted, some items are just shown video from a scene that's been kind of um, encapsulated. And then some are just rendered images that kind of stand out of an individual, say Miguel from, from Coco. It, it, some of it works, some of it doesn't. That's all I can say. Um, I love seeing Alice in the Mad Hatter, for instance. And I caught that. Um, my son, who is autistic, 19-year-old, he didn't even look at fireworks until Happily Ever After. He loves Happily Ever After, but he loves watching this fireworks. He's been watching the video I took, and he'll sit there and go, Fairy Godmother um, and Genie, and he'll go down the list, and he sees all the characters, which is a good thing about a fireworks show if you could see all the all the different characters. Um, but at any rate, it's, it's a great video. You definitely want to, to see it. I think you kind of want to see it several times before you go to the park to see it. Check out the video. Watch it a few times. I think it kind of readies you for the experience. Um, that, the other thing I would say hit and miss is I felt like the Main Street projections were colorful and nothing else. They really lacked. They, they just looked like they just were rushed to get uh, done what they'd done. Now, I may be missing that, but... And I have, there are a lot of details in a fireworks show that you can't even imagine. I notice, for instance, a lot of sound effects that are added, like the, the rev of Lightning McQueen's car and things of that nature. These are little details that are added. The projections, there are two lighting, uh, or projection towers in the form of castle towers that sit on the far, that the flank on the left and right. Those had projections on them and, and uh, I noticed that. And, and at any rate, lots of really good stuff there. It just, um, again, it's it's both it's both bliss and it's a little bit of miss. We uh, finished that, headed toward the confectionery uh, because it was now going into the Christmas hour. It the confectionery was closed in terms of mobile ordering. Um, it was a little bit of a miss at the confectionery because we were, you didn't know exactly where you ordered from. There was a big counter in the front of the second set of counters and there was a big display in that counter, but they weren't handing you the food there. 
they were actually just noting what you wanted and then typing that up, printing out a receipt and saying, now go to the second counter to pick it up. It seemed like it was duplicitous, you know, just having to go to one counter and then go to another. That said and done, there was nothing worse than the old confectionery candy counter. Most of the times we didn't go to that counter because the line was so long and the moreover, the line was so slow. Here I have to say is they've got, they're moving a lot of product through now uh, because there is so much, um, there is so much more counter space and because the process is a little easier going than just, you know, people would be ready to go to the cashier at the old one, but others were standing in the way trying to order their can, their fudge or whatever it was. It was just hit and miss. Now you order in one place, you pay in another. Not to unlike how counter service restaurants were before mobile ordering, you ordered in one place and then you move forward to actually pick up your item in another. So kind of kind of fascinating watching all of that unfold. We're going to go into even more detail about that confectionery experience in a future podcast. We then grab our, our bite to eat and we head to um, Town Square Theater. It's a great place to just sit, enjoy the food, and kind of watch the crowd and Oh, and the lights and the Christmas tree and everything in it. Of course, now it's closing in on 9 o'clock. It's about 8.45, 9. So um, it is really technically the Christmas party, and this is the time you're supposed to start heading out and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what surprised me about that is um, the number of people who were still entering the park for Disney's Very Merriest After Hours event. Now, mind you, the event has already been shortened from previous events. It's now really an eight to midnight, I think, kind of event. Um, and you can come in early at seven. Of course, you have an annual pass or some other pass. You can come in even earlier than that. Um, you can see the fireworks and then later the Christmas fireworks. A lot of things have been taken out of Disney's Very Merriest. There's only one kind of cookie, and there's no, the parade is extremely shortened, as other podcasters have shared. And uh, there's a kind of, again, it's a jolly experience. It's a merry experience, but it's also a miss, a bliss and miss. Um, and yet, here's the thing that, that stunned me. People don't care about the, the money. The cost is so high. And yet people are just now. And in fact, 10 of the events have been sold out. Um, if you wanted to go to the event tonight, guess what? It's sold out. You can't go tonight. Um, most of the early events, which were less expensive, have been sold out. And um, the um, two events closest to Christmas, those two have been completely sold out. I would imagine out of the, I think about 27 events, I would say probably the majority will be sold out by the time this happens. I, and mind you, they keep the crowd a little, little less, although I'm sure that will change in time. But I, I'm just surprised. And it's surprised that people would pay 
$229 to come in and then show up an hour beyond the official time. I, you're now getting, at best, three hours in for, for the park. So all I can say is if you, if you feel like Disney is adding more and while cutting back more, you're right. And yet the problem is, is people are still paying for that. As long as people pay for that, it's going to keep happening. So I, I just found all of that to be interesting to just observe and watch. On a happier note, we left the park and what should be coming down the water or coming down the way, but the new electrical water pageant for Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. I've also included a video of it. How lovely. Just a great little touch. Really nice way to end your day is to have this little electrical water pageant. Heaven knows we need a nighttime parade, but hey, at least we got the water pageant. So cool, so nice. What a perfect way to end the day, except the day's not over. We still, I, I appreciate the fact that Disney provides a motor coach service to the TTC for those who are in the parking lot. I appreciate that because the monorail line and the boat lines, they are way long. But they will go with a third-party coach that really, honestly, it's not as clean as it ought to be. And then, of course, we get to the parking lot and there's still no tram service. And I was thinking as I was crossing the, you know, I get, I get really peeved going through the, and it ruins the whole magic to walk through the parking lot and think how there is no tram. And then I thought I'd be really far more ticked if instead of as an annual pass holder, which parking is included free, I had to pay for parking and then walk to the front of the uh, to the TTC to, to get in. That would have been even more frustrating in my view. Unfortunately, it did end on a miss. A miss that I cannot, I don't understand, just canceled the Speedway. And I guess where management's coming out, but lots of people benefit from the Speedway, not just people who are parking in the parking lot. People staying at resort hotels and other places are enjoying the Speedway. Okay, I kind of get that, but at the same time, <laughs> it's it's just it's it's just it just ends everybody's note on a bad note. Anyway, it is what it is. It's just an interesting period. I'd like to think within a year from now, much of the miss will be missed <laughs> or not missed, um, and more of the bliss will remain because there were some wonderful things that we enjoyed. We had a great evening. It's just those other little touches that just kind of put a blemish on the experience. Well, that is our podcast for today. And may I invite you to check out at disneyatplay.com, our Wayfinder Society, where you can celebrate Disney magic year-round every day with new uh, adventures and interactive experiences you can enjoy at home or even bring into the parks and use as kind of a map for better studying all of the incredible 
magical details that make up Walt Disney World. So check out the Wayfinder Society. I think you'll like it. And enrollment begins at only $1 a month. And um, you help to make this podcast a reality. So thank you. Thank you for your participation, for joining us and being a part in the words of Sinbad's storybook voyage. Always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon. Thank you.